welcome to the next episode of the On the Horizon RC Podcast. I'm your host and Horizon President, Chris Dickerson. With me, as always, our Marketing Director, Steve Petrato. Steve, how you holding up? I'm doing great, Chris. The, uh, the weather still... Every time we have this, I always mention the weather, but uh, it's it's getting better, but it's definitely rainy here now. Uh, I've been fully accustomed to working from home and finding a way to keep my dog from interrupting the podcast now. So that's a that's a good step in the right direction. But overall, uh, you know, I've, I've started to enjoy or try to enjoy the, the different things in life from not working at the office and, you know, working on stuff around the house when I have a a minute over the weekend or in the afternoon. So it's uh, it's kind of nice to be able to get all my work done and still have a few extra minutes to play with my dog or something like that. So I'm sure I'm sure many people are finding new ways to uh, experience life without having to travel back and forth to work. <laughs> yeah, so. you know, we're lucky living here in Champaign. I think you and I both have like a 10 minute or less commute. Yeah, but uh, yeah. certainly I think back to when I lived in a, a bigger area, you know, a city, uh, it was it was a lot harder to um, to to drive back and forth, so it's nice to yeah be able to just kind of be a little more casual. So Definitely. that's great. I'm glad you're hanging in there, finding ways to adapt. And you know, I think one of the exciting things is you know we're we're seeing a lot of people uh, turn back to RC as a way to uh, to deal with uh, our current situations, and it's really making the RC community stronger. So. Uh, well, we, we're adjusting. We're all moving to social media. And I think there's still a lot of people, you know, doing cool builds at home and, uh, you know, building ramps in their backyard. I'm amazed how many people I've seen building, you know, taking like <laughs> their backyard and making it a crawler track. I'm not sure my wife's quite up to letting me do that yet, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad some guys are getting away with it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But uh, we're keeping the hobby moving and it's exciting to see a lot of people, I think, that maybe had kind of you know, maybe gotten out of the hobby, getting back into it. So uh, this is great. And uh, let's let's dive in. We've got a, a really cool guest this week, though, Steve. So I know we've got some announcements. And I say yeah. we get the interview. All right. Well, uh, last couple of weeks, guys, we uh, actually just yesterday before this recording, we announced our brand new E-Flight Night Timber X. Uh, and the cool thing with this is it's a fully led ridden uh timber x so you can really fly it at night nicely um and the other nice thing is we've added now our smart technology to it so we've got our uh 60 amp avian uh, esc along with our 637t so you're going to get that real-time voltage you're going to get all that extra smart telemetry back to your radio without any additional wires uh and lastly because we went to the new speed control uh, we're able to get prop reversing now. So you can actually back taxi out onto the runway and you can turn the reversing on in the air if you want to do some crazy 3D stuff. Uh, so it's a it's a really cool, and you can use it as an air brake almost when you're doing a landing, you can pop on reverse throttle and have like an air brake for the airplane. So super cool feature there. Um, we've got the new Spectrum DX5 Rugged, the green edition. So similar to the orange version uh, that we have, we had a green one. So we got a lot of feedback on multiple colors and uh, the green one won out out of all the different ones. So it's like an OD green or an olive drab green, uh, kind of that camouflage green color. Uh, we did uh, do some updates and improvements to the touchpad in the rear as well. Uh, but like always, the, the Rugged Radio is designed to kind of be your your ultimate off-road trail uh, and basher radio. You can drop it off the bench and get it wet or get it in some mud and not really worry about it. Uh, so now it's just available in a new color. And last but certainly not least, uh, Blade released a brand new 120S 
Uh, the 120 has been in the stable for a long time, uh, but now we've added uh, some new telemetry to it. So similar to our smart kind of direction, we can now get battery telemetry back to uh, your radio from the 120. And we have uh, given it to Mr. Brian Bremer on the PD team uh, to improve the flight software on it. So it does fly a lot nicer as well. So three really cool announcements. As always, uh, count on Horizon to bring you new and exciting product. Um, I also think we talked a little bit, Steve, you know, just about how so many people are coming back to the hobby. So many people are doing more projects because they're home. And we do know uh, it's, it's certainly demand that we hadn't all planned for. And so we have some areas where, you know, maybe uh, our fill rates aren't quite as good as we'd like them to be. So I would just say to everybody, stay tuned. We are doing everything we can to expedite our fill rates. We do have some new stocks, some things I think we announced to be new uh, a little while back, Steve, that are now starting to ship. And I wanted to mention those real quickly. We've got the Axial RR10 Bomber, the new update. Uh, really cool updates to that product. It's now in and shipping. We also, you know, speaking of Spectrum, we have the uh, Firma 40 amp 2-in-1 uh, system shipping now, which is really nice uh, for crawlers, for some more of the basic products. Uh, great way to get into the Spectrum uh, smart system. And then the, uh, which will be very applicable to our guests today, uh, the Hangar 9 FX Cub is now in stock and shipping. So very cool product there. So uh, new products now shipping. If you're uh, looking for that next project at home, here's three ideas for you to uh, keep going. There you go. Well, uh, and the next big topic, Chris, is uh, with events and everything going on, we've, we've had to come out and make a couple of quick changes or a couple of significant changes to our signature events, uh, as you know. But for everyone that hasn't seen our video announcement on Facebook yet, uh, I'll walk through some of the major changes. Obviously, based on uh, the individual states that we're having these events in, they all have different regulations and different stay-at-home orders. Um, so we've really tried to take a good look at that and make sure we can do these events or if we have to postpone them, what the plan is. So just going down the list in no particular order, um, Axial Fest Donner, which is out in California, the, the, unfortunately, we've had to postpone that event until 2021. Uh, we wanted to have it more than anything. And I know, Chris, you, you had a lot of fun out there last year, and I, I was definitely hoping to get out there this year. But um, you know, we, we, uh, definitely have to postpone that because as soon as California lifts their stay at home order, it's going to be too late in the season to have anything at Donner cause it'll get snow again. So, uh, that one yeah, is, yeah, you know, uh, Elon, Elon Musk may be willing to, uh, get arrested. I'd rather not, uh, go to jail in California. So we're going to have to do the, <laughs> the right thing here and, uh, postpone to next year. And yeah, I assure you, uh, no one's more heartbroken about it than me personally. Uh, yeah. but, but we have to do what's right for everybody. So hang in there, Axial folks. Um, we'll get back to it. Yeah, and if you're if you're an Axial guy and you and you do want to come to an event, we will be having our uh, Axial Fest Badlands, which is out in uh, Indiana. About what is it? About 45, 50 minute drive from the office. Uh, we've actually pushed that event out into July sixteenth. Uh, so it'll be the sixteenth through the eighteenth. And the good news is, is Indy, Indiana is releasing their uh, festivals and fairs capabilities on July 4th. Um, so we're going to be full blower uh, having, a fun, having fun at, at Badlands. So if you can make it out to Indiana and come out to the Badlands, it's going to be a stellar event. We're working on some really cool ways to, to have fun out there. So, so please join us on the July 16th date. 
Um, and then moving on, we uh, we all know uh, RC Fest is kind of our U.S. pinnacle event uh, for for the RC hobby for Horizon. It's uh, it's now being pushed out to October. Uh, we're still keeping an eye on all the uh, stay-at-home orders for Illinois, so we may have to change the date again. We're really fingers crossed we don't, um, but we're thinking it, it will probably be okay. Um, but ultimately, we're we're pushing that to October, uh, and if it has to get pushed past that, we'll probably have to cancel it. But for now, we're fingers crossed. Uh, you know, RC Fest is going to happen same place, just uh, Eli Field in Monticello just a little bit later date and actually be kind of cooler and probably a little better for the ring of fire. So I think, uh, I think that's okay. going to be a good date if we can have it. And then last, uh, last on my list is, uh, our, for our EU folks, uh, for air meet, you know, we've got th- this, you know, long running, amazing event with 25,000 people and just super hard to have that, uh, situation right now with everything going on. So we've elected to try something new this year. And I think it's going to open this event up to, a global audience, which I think is is really the goal here, uh, and you probably have seen this in in sports and in motorsports. Is it's going to be a live stream, uh, Chris? This is kind of exciting because we're going to be bringing in a professional uh, broadcasting company, and they're going to live stream professionally with multiple camera angles. A professional broadcaster, uh, hopefully, Ali and myself will commentate the U.S. version of the feed as well, and we'll be streaming that live to Facebook, YouTube, and most likely Twitch uh, Twitch TV. So it'll be free to watch. Uh, we'll have you know our, our various partners advertising and, and get some really cool video footage there. Um, but it will be a German feed for the EU audience and an English feed for the US or any other English-speaking countries around the world. Uh, and that will be on August 8th, which is the same Saturday as AirMeet would have been. We just won't have any audience on site. So it'll be all of our top team pilots, and we're working through all the details uh, with the EU team, and I know everyone's excited to have some 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 semblance of air meet uh, this year. So look forward to that. And for those of you that have never been or probably don't think you'll ever get out to Donworth, Germany, now is a chance to experience air meet like never before. So it should be pretty exciting. Well, Steve, that's great. And, you know, between uh, adjusting these events, again, part of it is we're just trying to keep people safe and comply with, with various state and area ordinances here. I really applaud you and the marketing team, Greg Sopa and everybody involved in these events, uh, you know, being as flexible as we can and trying to, to not just cancel everything. Uh, certainly AirMeet, you know, the streaming I'm excited about, even if we were able to hold the event, AirMeet, it really is like nothing else in our industry. The fact that we can now make that a global event um, is really cool. So I applaud you and the team for making that happen um, to, to all of our our Horizon fans, RC community out there, you know, please, we are trying to do our best in in pretty tough circumstances and keep the community moving forward. Again, Steve, just a quick plug for you and the team. I know you're doing your Real Flight Lives on Friday evenings. That's a great, great opportunity to hang out, um, you know, and just be part of the RC community, get a little bit of your flying fix. You guys are doing uh, lives and, and opportunities to just kind of hang out with product developers and marketing and team pilots um, across all of our categories. I saw we had all of the surface leaders, uh, Jason Dearden, Todd Hodge, Greg Sopa doing a, a con- combined uh, talk here recently where you could just get on and ask them any questions you wanted. Um, re- really a great way to stay plugged in and have direct access to the horizon team here. So uh, pretty exciting time times, even as we're all kind of stuck at home, 
And, uh, you know, Steve, I think speaking of direct access to really cool Horizon people, we have a really uh, good guest this week that really uh, exemplifies that. So uh, I say we just get to it and bring our guest in. All right, Chris, sounds good. Let's do it. Okay, Steve, today we are proud to have a current Horizonite on the show who is currently working for Horizon as a product developer in the U.S. at our Champagne facility. He's also a world-famous RC demonstration pilot, family man, and someone who has been known to have some of the most incredible RC jets in the world. Steve, today we're ecstatic to talk to the one, maybe not the only, Ali Machinchi Jr. Uh, uh, Ali, thanks for joining us today. Uh, long time no see. I'm excited to finally talk to you. How's it going? Yeah, it's really good, Chris. Hi, Steve. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, thank you for breaking up this uh, pretty much Monday and Friday. Otherwise, it's um, I'm locked in my basement, product developing Hangar 9 airplanes, and uh, which isn't a bad thing when the weather's nice, but the weather has been so bad this week that I'm just um, double quarantined. I can't get out and test. Um, so, yeah, it's good to talk to you guys. Yeah, it is nice to have a little socialization. And it's so strange that, you know, for for you guys and Steve, I'm so used to seeing you every day or most days. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. I, I saw Dustin Dustin the other day on a video call and he's grown a beard since I saw him. So uh, it's it's been too long. So you probably have a beard for all I know. Uh, but uh, no, not a beard, just this uh, new shape about me. It's a more rounded shape. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe a beard would help. But uh, no, nothing as uh, crazy as that. I could do with a haircut. Definitely a haircut is in order. Oh, I, I hear you. I yeah, we're all in the same boat there. <laughs> it's, I, I told somebody the other day I may just embrace it, embrace it and grow a mullet. So um, we'll, we'll I'm see how long I'm looking forward to getting back out. to work and trying to see people that you don't recognize. You know, like, who is that? that yeah. Just like Steve Petrado, <laughs> but with a beard. Oh, gosh, it is Steve Petrado with a beard. <laughs> I wonder yeah. how long will people will keep the quarantine um, chic for when we get back to work. How long will it take for us to all shave it all off? I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to, uh, you know, stop wearing track pants and put, you know, see if I can still wear, still wear my regular work pants, you know, so uh, we'll see how this all goes. But yeah, it's great to hear from you and uh, happy to hear your story. Um, so, you know, it, it is definitely good. It's gonna be like, yeah, when, when kids go back to school, I remember there was always that like, yeah, who got taller, who moved away, all that stuff, you know, when you go back to school after the summer. Uh, we'll have a little bit of that when we get back to uh, the office after all of this. So sure. you're going to look to the conduct and go, that guy looks like uh, somebody that ate Ali. Oh, it is Ali. Yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very good. Well, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see how this goes. You know, as as I think everybody knows, um, you know, we're interested here in just diving deep into some of the the legends, the people who make RC great, like yourself. And just giving, it's a little bit of like if somebody bumped into you at the flying field and just had a chat, uh, how, how would that chat go? What would they want to know uh, to, to find out more about your story? Because that's really part of what makes this hobby great is these stories from folks like yourself, um, you know, and really the community that it builds. So, you know, first off, we'd like to start with an easy question. We'll, we'll wait and save the hard questions here for a bit. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, what got you started in this hobby and, and give us the the day one, you know, the first time you really decided you wanted to learn about this hobby 
And and how did you get here to, I'm sure, what's a career highlight uh, being on this podcast with Steve and myself? <laughs> yeah, well, easy, easy question, easy answer. Uh, what got me into the hobby? My dad. Uh, I mean, it's probably the most overused answer ever, but he was into RC when he was studying um, in Europe when he was a teenager. He couldn't access RC back home, so when he was... Um, in Europe for probably five or six years, he, he really got into it. Uh, met my mum whilst he was in England doing a, a business class um, down in the south, a town called Hastings. Moved back home, which home was Iran, um, Tehran, Iran at the time, so mid-70s. I was born 76 um, in Iran, um, and dad was mad keen on, on RC at that point. Um, his father, my grandfather, wanted him to take over our textile business. And all my dad wanted to do was play RC. And um, I came along and some people thought that might ground him, slow him down a bit. But no, it was just, you know, drag Ali to the flying field as, a, as an infant. And it really was from the age of about... My first RC flight was at three, so I'm, he tells me I was at the field from around about 18 months old, um, chucking any free flight gliders, chasing whatever I could, any sort of anything aviation related I was into. So um, yeah, I really had no choice. I was thrust upon the hobby and never left. Um, my dad and I flew together all the way through my, my younger years, my teenage years, um, so he was probably the, the, the main influence, the, the, the one to blame. That's, that's pretty amazing. So what was it like? And then as you got older, and some of our U.S. listeners may not know this, but, you know, uh, Al's Hobbies in the U.K. Uh, was, is, is one of the great hobby shops. So, uh, you know, certainly a kind of an, uh, an industry standard over there. You had a part in that for a long time. What was that like having a, a part in, in Al's Hobbies? That's kind of why I, I joked earlier about you not being the one and only because you're actually junior. Uh, but what was it like having a, a part in that? And what, what did you learn, you know, at being at Al's Hobbies that, that's really helped you? Because this, is, this has been your career, a big part of your career, yeah. not just a hobby for you. Uh, My only career. Um, yeah, yeah I, I never left. I was one of those oddities um, that come along to this hobby and that we, we see youngsters come along and um, they, they take to the hobby, whether it be cars, whether it be fixed wing helicopters. And at the age of say 10, 11, the uh, hand to eye coordination is such that those age groups really take to the hobby superbly well and learn quickly and progress quickly. But they often leave. They, they, they find things that preoccupy them in teenage years and they, they leave the hobby for other pursuits. And um, I wasn't one of those. I, I've, the oddity that stayed in the hobby and never left. And all the way through my, my teenage years, my college years, my university years, I was a very keen hobbyist. I was doing a little bit of a sideline gig as it was. Um, we were based in central London, uh, right in the center of London at the time. And my dad was running a retail chain for a UK distributor called Ritmax. And they had a retail chain of 10 stores called Hobby Stores. And we lived actually right above one of those stores um, in Camden Town, North London. And um, I was running this sideline gig of teaching people how to fly. At the time, there was no safe. There was no AS3X. Um, ARS were around, of course, but they, they required a bit more work. And it, it was generally harder to get into the hobby than it is now. So I set up this flight tuition school from the age of about 13, 12, 13 is when I actually started doing it like properly, as it were, um, going out every weekend teaching people how to fly. 
and um, I soon realized, I was like, I've enjoyed this, you know, making money whilst partaking in the hobby that I love so much. And it was always in the back of my head that, you know, this is something that I wanted to do. And my dad was telling me, no, you need to go and get a proper career and, you know, a real avenue. There's no money in uh, model airplanes and and so forth. And so I, I pursued a career in marketing. I did a marketing degree in uh, the University of North London. And I was coming to the end of that and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I had the – a basic internship set up at a advertising company in central London. And it was about three or four months to go before the end of my university degree and before the beginning of this internship. And I was like, you know what? This is scary. I'm actually going to have to work for a living, like do a job. And that's going <laughs> to impact how I do my hobby. And um, yeah, I started crunching numbers and I went to dad and I said, look, what about us setting up our own retail? outlet you know you're, you're running these 10 stores for rip max and they've been great to us enjoyed it taught us a lot but what about doing it for ourselves and um yeah you know, to condense the story we started our hobbies in 90 bought the premises in 1997 started the business in 1998 um just him and i one store on the outskirts of london um suburbs of london called um chigwell and it was an old hobby shop um that had gone uh, out of business, we bought the premises and fitted it all out and started from there. We went to six stores, 20, I think 23 staff at one time. He was running three, I was running three. And yeah, the business grew through the mail order years and it gave me the opportunity to do what I love to do most, which is fly anything and partake in any part of this hobby that I could. And for a fair number of years, I exploited that. I was uh, living in the shop, you know, between working in it, uh, you know, in the evenings I was um, building. We were running uh, building nights with friends and customers as well. We had these evenings set up where customers could buy a plane and come and build with us and we'd go fly at the weekend and so forth. And, yeah, that was the 2000s, basically, with me developing our hobbies with my dad and developing my hobby skill set, you know, and, and I started traveling with it. The planes got bigger, they got faster, the helicopters got um, more capable, the air shows became more frequent, and those air shows turned into international air shows, international events, which led into traveling around the world. I think in my biggest, the most busiest year, we did I did 18 international events in one year. So, yeah, and um, that led to the Horizon sponsorship, where I became a Horizons um, team pilot. Pete Goldsmith um, reached out to George Land, who was running Horizon UK at the time, and uh, just took me on as a Horizon demo pilot, team pilot. And um, I did my usual events traveling around the world and a few more US events, working with the guys like Pete and um, the team here in the US. And yeah, and that in 2014 led to me becoming a Horizon product developer. So yeah, and... That's what finds me living in central Illinois with my family, very happy, content, um, very rural lifestyle and developing airplanes for Hangar 9 and helping out on the e-flight team as well. Yeah, Ali, that's, uh, I know the, uh, the, probably the crazy thing that, that you had growing up was you were really in it early on, but you said about 13 is when you kind of just started the, I guess, the training stuff for folks. What were you flying up until that point? You know, what were you what was kind of like your go-to? Was it, you know, stick and tissue stuff? Was it a trainer? What, what were you kind of 
jump into. And everything, Steve. I've always tried to maintain that as my my mantra, my ethos, my, my thought process in this hobby is if I can get hold of it and play with it and it flies, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I do say when people – I recall, I go back, my flying took this massive – upturn in its uh, development at the age of 14 and the reason for that was I could afford airplanes of my own I, I didn't have to rely on my dad buying me airplanes him at the t- he at the time he had this strict policy of like you get one airplane a year that's your you know your, your go-to it usually be a Christmas or a birthday present and with that in mind I was like oh my gosh you know I've really got to look after it I've got a ginger I've got a baby if I break this I'm, I'm sort of stuck I've got to go back to last year's aeroplane or sometimes no aeroplanes and um yeah when i started earning my own money at 13 14 i was like wow i could you know buy my own aeroplane so i did and i was spending a lot of time at the field with the with the tuition gig i would do it wasn't uncommon to do nine hours at the field straight back to back i couldn't drive at the time i mean it's scary when you think about what i was doing in the sense that i was this 14 year old kid jumping in cars with customers from a hobby shop that we didn't really know that well <laughs> going to this flying field in west london and, and spending the day there you know almost unattended and it's a miracle i made it up such a grounded and uh, fine individual that i am <laughs> but um yeah spent a lot of time in the field flying everything you know i i flew more trainers st- you know straightforward box fuselage high wing trainers than i think anyone ever and I learned a lot from them. You know, I learned what is capable, how much fun you can have, what you can push a simple aeroplane to do. And, and those flight lessons have stayed with me all the way, you know, to now. My son and I, we, we go in the backyard and we fly some pretty simple aeroplanes. You know, we've got access to some amazing, amazing aeroplanes nowadays. But we get as much fun from the basic stuff. You know, timber is a great example. We, we have a lot of time on timbers. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a basic aeroplane, but when you look at it conventionally, it's not super fast or super aerobatic, but we just make the most out of that. And that's something that's been with me since day one. Yeah, that that's great. You talked a little bit about, you know, being a Horizon team pilot, even before you uh, joined us as, as a Horizon employee full-time. Um, and, and I have to say, you know, I give you a little bit of a public, uh, uh, praise here and you can re- save this recording for later, you know, to, uh, to play back if you want, but you know, I, I've seen, I'm, I've been to events with you and, and I've uh, watched your coverage of like Florida jets. And I know a while back we talked about, you know, well, when we go to these events, not everybody gets to go and they're the, the events that we all want to, but we can't all get there. Um, you do such a great job of, you know, providing social media uh, access. It's kind of that behind the curtains, the VIP tour and um, at these big events, you know, when you look at those, what, what kind of inspires you and how do you, how, how do you approach taking us through a virtual tour of Florida jets that just makes us feel like we're there? I try and never lose track of what the hobby means to me and whilst I'm immersed in it day to day you know I I work in it and live it um, I try and recall back to say early 90s my teenage years when I was rushing to get 
the model magazines that would arrive in the shop that we lived above, in a model shop that we lived above, just so I could see. I could see I wanted to, you know, get close to coverage of Florida Jets, Top Gun. You know, these are events that I've followed on VHS tape when I was a young teenager going, oh my gosh, one day I hope just to go and see it as a spectator. So, you know, yet alone the dream of attending it, competing, you know, winning, they they were never ever things that really even came into play. I just wanted to be there. And I always try and maintain that thought process when I'm at an event because I never lose track of how lucky I am, you know, to get paid to do your hobby and such a cool hobby as well. You know, I understand there are people doing <laughs> other jobs, really important jobs, saving lives or, you know, planning right. towns and so forth that can't attend these events. And I want to share that with people. I want to share the whole hobby experience, whether it be a setup of an airplane, um, hints and tips on how to make an airplane fly better or you enjoy the hobby more or just coverage of an event. You know, if I can bring in an event to someone who's maybe not able to attend, then I feel like I've achieved something that day. Yeah, you do a great job, Allie, for sure. And I, I can't wait to can't wait to see you back out in the field as I'm sure you're ready to get back out there and go to these cool events that are hopefully all happening later this year. I know many of them have moved out. Um, but you know, with your travels, Al, you've you've probably bumped into and met a lot of cool people over the years. Is there anyone that kind of stands out that you've met or a cool experience that you've had by being either a team pilot or just out at an event? Anything like that? Wow. Yeah, I know you've had some cool opportunities, you know, rides and certain airplanes and meeting different people, but yeah, is there anything that just stands out? There's so many, Steve. You know, I've flown through the valleys of California at tr- below tree level in a Mustang. I've done aerobatics in an L39. I've been to the homes of royalty in Dubai and spent days on a yacht in the Straits of Amman with people that are wealthier than I could even comprehend. Um, Yeah, I've jumped out of airplanes over Scandinavia. I have slept in a shipping container in Australia. Um, I've been scared for my life in Dominican Republic. Um, There's so many, so many, so many different moments snippet you know and i look back to have a podcast on that yeah yeah it's really weird because you know you get memories on facebook and so forth and uh, a memory came up recently a picture a photograph of me um when i was working hours hobbies and it's a picture of me standing um next to and and showing a a rapper 50 cent how to operate a model airplane a model race car we were at a show at the nec and him and his entourage turned up and uh, my daughter was like oh who's that and i was like oh it's a famous rapper of course she didn't know who it was and i explained the situation and she was like oh you know has there been any other any other situations like that and i've recalled and it's yeah it's mind-blowing where the, the hobby has taken me um mm-hmm. go again go back to the hobby shop days in camden in, in north london um, we, we ended up doing a lot of film work a hell of a lot of film work because we had in Northwest London at the time was the Hollywood, say, of the UK. We had five major um, film studios around us, and um, it was pre the big CGI move. So they were using RC for a lot of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I ended up doing a bunch of TV work for probably five or six years, pop videos, TV programs in the UK, and met a bunch of famous people from there. Um, 
some talk show stuff. We did some uh, UK talk shows with model airplanes and the first model jet engines and so forth. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's mind-blowing awesome. how a relatively simple hobby can take a very simple person like me and put them into very cool situations. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of folks in this industry, in this community that have had a similar experience. I mean, me personally, I've met really cool people. I've, you know, I've talked to Jeff Bezos, how to fly an Inductrix at Oshkosh. I've had, I've flown upside down with Chuck Aaron in the Red Bull helicopter. Um, there's just so many different cool experiences that this hobby has taken many of us. Um, I'm sure Chris has some cool experiences too. Uh, but you know, there's, there's always, uh, there's always something cool. There's always a connection that you can make with someone outside the hobby industry based on a, a similar interest, whether it be aviation or motorsports. Uh, and that's what makes this community super cool. It's a good for leveler sure. for me. You know, when I've been in the company of these very wealthy or very famous people, the leveling aspect is the the models, the RC stuff, whether it be a car, whether it be an airplane, whether it be a helicopter, you get to see that person. I'm not saying they're raw state, but in a very natural, this is them mm-hmm. playing with a toy effectively, you know, and you're with them enjoying that experience. So yeah, right. I, I, I like that bit. Yeah. Well, Ali, uh, let's, let's switch gears a little bit here. So as, as many of, uh, of our audience knows, you're, you're a developer here at horizon. Um, you work on the uh, <clears throat> many brands and help testing on many brands, but primarily your focus right now is uh, is with Hangar Nine. Uh, can you walk folks kind of? And this is a broad question, so feel free to take any avenue you want. But walk fo- folks through uh, what it's like to work on Hangar Nine each and every day. It's incredible. It's infuriating. It's rewarding. It's frustrating. It's yeah, part and parcel of being a product developer. I think anyone that's product developed any item will will get what i'm saying but um yeah for me it's incredible first and foremost because i was a hangar nine customer long before i even contemplated working for horizon hobby i was a hangar nine user so you know i was mid-20s hobby shop in england and and you know buying airplanes with mike mcconville's picture on the box going this is cool this is the brand that i really associate with it builds airplanes that at the time were achievable to me affordable to me you know i could get them represented high quality always represented innovation in the arf field you know they made some big strides in giant scale aerobatics in 3d aerobatics in scale fidelity and so forth so yeah to now be the guy that is behind that development um is like wow is it mind-blowing i have to get reality check now and again i walk into the the condos or now downstairs into the workshop and see the next plane and go wow i'm actually doing this so yeah it's fun um the infuriating bit is how long it takes i I never realized how complicated a process it was um it would be how time consuming um developing an airplane would be until i started getting into the role and until i really started getting into uh, products that i developed from the start um so a bit of back history on that when i joined in 2014 um my first role was finishing off i think about three or four projects for um other developers that had moved on or changed roles within horizon so i had you know semi-finished projects um so i was like oh this is pretty easy this is cool you know they say ali finish this project okay great i was like oh this is pretty straightforward and then uh, it came to about 2000 and 15 i think or 16 when i first started working on my first ground up project um which was the rv4 Uh, and by ground up i mean that's the 
the project where I come up with the idea. I say, guys, you know, this is what I want to make. This is a project, a product which I think will sell well. Um, take it to my brand manager, Hanger Nine brand manager. Um, we then take it to a Hanger Nine team meeting, which then becomes an air category meeting, which then will go and present the project as a potential and it will get approved from uh, a higher level. So this, the RV was the first one that I started the ball rolling, as it were. And um, yeah, it took... I think about 17, 18 months to get that one from the very first day that I presented it to my brand manager, Alex, and said, I think this is an idea. Um, and my work colleague, Craig Greening as well, um, to when it was released. So it was, yeah, a, a bit mind bending how long it takes. And that, that wasn't a particularly complicated project. That wasn't anything that was outside of the norm. It's, you know, we've had projects that have been in development for coming up to four years. So nearly my whole tenureship in, in Horizon Hobby, there's products that are still in development um, for Hangar 9. And um, it's it's complicated. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. You know, We could just go and stick our name on a brand of a, or an airplane that's um, pre-made out there from another vendor. But that's not us. We don't do that. So, And I'm glad we don't do that. One, because it keeps me busy. Two, because it gives us, you know, I've learned what goes into development and what, how many changes have to be made. So, yeah, it's um, very much fun and games. And uh, at the end of it, very rewarding. So, Ali, I have to ask then, you know, um, and again, you're right. It is amazing. And, and it's always, uh, not always, but sometimes, you know, the, the little things are the biggest challenge. You know, it's the the thing you didn't think was going to be so hard ends up being really hard. Yep. Um, what, what's the biggest challenge? in any of the products you've developed at Horizon? And, and how does that learning help you improve future models? Biggest challenge is disconnecting your own personal preferences as to what you think will make a project sell and, and do well in the marketplace and understanding that Everyone is different. Everyone has their own personal likes, dislikes, and trying to find that product or a series of products that cater to the masses, that suit everyone. You know, it's um, if, if you gave me carte blanche on what to develop for Hangar 9 and just said, right, Ali, here, whatever you want to do, whatever, you know, floats Ali Machinchi's boat and, and RC airplanes, we'd be bankrupt in a year. We'd have some really <laughs> cool airplanes. But they wouldn't sell well because they'll be the exotic, you know, super complicated, difficult to fly, polarizing color schemes, you know, quite garish and so forth. Um, so, yeah, the challenge is going, OK, is this what I want and is this what the customer will want? So, yeah, that's always interesting. And for that, that's where the team comes involved. You know, it comes into play so well. I work Although I'm the, the, the main product developer of Hangar 9, I work with a great brand manager, Alex Alpors. I lean a lot, a lot on other team members like Craig Greening, who's our field marketing manager, David Payne, Sean Sullivan, all the eFly guys, um, Gary Wright, who's a very close um, developer in the sense that he works right opposite me in the condo. I'm always running ideas past these guys and go, look, what do you think of this? And we're, we're a pretty frank team you know if they think it's a bad idea then nobody's too shy to say Ali what are you doing like, that's an awful idea so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I know that for sure Gary can be Gary can be right on the nose <laughs> just like the rest of the guys so uh, if it's if it's not going to work out you'll definitely know about it it's yeah, a tough you know, crowd 
<laughs> yeah, it's good though. It's kind of, you need that when you're developing product or anything. Oh, yeah. you, you just need that feedback to say, man, this just isn't this isn't going to work, or no one cares about that, or this is a stupid you know concept. Uh, is, yeah, is or stronger it you in something you want, and and you know maybe yeah. not others. So yeah, definitely, you yeah, need a reality, reality check. check. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it, it's hard sometimes to make a passion that you have uh, personally, which which is an important part of the job, but not to take it too far that it becomes a bad business decision, right? Yeah. I mean, and we are, we've all any of us who have been involved in the development process have had that before, where you just fall in love with something. I mentioned something to somebody the other day. I said. I'm fighting the fact that I'm in love with this idea. And, <laughs> and uh, I know I can feel myself being pulled into a bad decision, but I love it. Um, but that doesn't make it a good decision for our customers or certainly for Horizon. So um, it, it's funny. And I, I, I totally relate with what you're saying. I know Steve does. And that's where it is. It's awesome. Uh, many of the folks you mentioned and, and several others um, and, and many of our team pilots, too, are an important uh, source of information and kind of sounding board for us. I think that is a big part of the secret sauce for Horizon is that we have a team of all the people you just mentioned and many more who we it's not always easy, as Steve said, but kind of kind of check each other to get to the best decision uh, for, for the customer, for the company. Maybe you don't get that. Uh, like I said, I, I think every every project we do would have flames and monster truck tires if I had my <laughs> way. But, uh, I, I don't know how that would work out. So it's probably good that we don't go down that path. But but that's awesome, Allie. I love to hear that. I love to hear that uh, approach. It's wonderful. Yeah, we're very fortunate. You know, a while back I wanted to make a, a video, um, just a marketing video for for us, just for us basically, because I'd sat there in the cubes at work before we moved over to the, the new location. And I looked around at the product developers who were just in air, not not in surface or anything like that, because I just had the air group in front of me. And I was like, my goodness, the experience we have on tap just in aircraft product developers. You know, I tried to put a year count on it. How long have these guys been in the hobby? And I had, you know, within touching distance of me, six lifelong, and I mean lifelong RC flyers, enthusiasts, developers, whatever you want to call them, on tap just developing airplanes. And I don't believe, and I could be wrong, and I'd be very, very surprised if I'm wrong, I don't believe any other hobby company has that. And it's something that differentiates us from others, that we have such passionate, such experienced developers. And and that's what makes the secret sauce work, I think. Yeah, you, you got up to like four or five hundred years of experience real quick. Do you remember, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty impressive you don't you don't think about that but when you, you know you look around just and just on the air category alone there's there's hundreds of years of combined experience uh and that's on the development side then you throw in the marketing team and and various other folks in the company and it's not just uh, the year count it's the passion if you go to yeah. andrin's house or speak to matt <laughs> all you speak about is model airplanes you go mm-hmm. to Dave Payne's basement and it's like ridiculous. It's just pure model airplane. Same as mine. You know, you come downstairs and it's bizarre. You know, Gary Wright's the same. Um, Sean Sullivan, uh, Kevin Burner. These are all, all lifelong hobbyists. So it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah, super cool. Well, Ali, what, uh, speaking of kind of working with all different folks, this may not be your favorite part of the hobby, but what is kind of your number one favorite thing working in the industry right now? 
what is your what is what gets you up in the morning? <laughs> uh, two Boston Terriers at the moment. Um, no, <laughs> gets me up. My number one favorite thing is the opportunities it gives me. You know, to and I'm going to be brutally honest here. It's selfish. You know, just the ability to do what I love as a job is ridiculously fortunate. So, yeah, that's what gets me up. The fact I can come downstairs and even if I'm developing not the most, you know, exotic, splendid aeroplane ever, like the Ultra Sticks, for instance, you know, they're, they're not groundbreaking aeroplanes in the sense that they're not the biggest, the fastest, the fanciest. I love doing every moment of them because it got me hands-on, elbows deep inside a model aeroplane that potentially was going to sell thousands of units and bring pleasure to other people you know no nobody can put into words the feeling of when you go to an event or you go to a flying field and somebody says hey you're the guy that made this airplane and you're like yeah and expecting like maybe a scolding or i didn't like it and they say you know it brought me so much joy it gave me so much pleasure i had a picture last week from a guy in england i'd never met before him and his son young son maybe eight or nine years old with an airplane the ultra stick 10 cc and um, yeah, that was like, that made my week. I just happy to look at that picture and go, all those months of work in a relatively simple airplane brought that guy pleasure. So yeah, that's what gets me going. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I have to ask the flip side of that then, you know, and I've seen you and I've seen you and, and David and, and many of the other guys do this, but you know, so you go to an event, you meet this customer, he comes up to you and he says, I'm so excited to meet you. I've watched all your videos. I've, I've, you know, I fly your planes. I'm a Hangar 9 guy. You've got to fly my airplane. I want you to fly it. How did, doesn't that make you nervous? That would, uh, nobody ever asked me to fly their airplane, which, <laughs> which I'm really happy about because uh, you know, none of us want that. But you, and you, you know, you do it, you're, you're respectful. It makes their day. It probably makes their whole event. Does that make you nervous ever? No. Try not to. Um, I've had it in my head oh. for a long time when I'm teaching people, <laughs> and I learned very early on, if your head's not in the right place, then don't make the flight because you're not going to enjoy it. And this is, you know, we're, we're not doing this to change lives, save lives, you know, cure medical ailments. This is a hobby for enjoyment. So if you're not enjoying it, stop. You know, go back and, and relax and get your head in the right place before you fly. And that's where I try and be when I'm flying other people's airplanes. Now, the edge to it will change depending on the complexity of the airplane, the cost of the airplane, you know, the, the likelihood of something going wrong. But I always try and remember in my head, I've got this thing going around. I never say no. Um, I'll always go and inspect the airplane. In many cases, I've had to say no because I've found something on the airplane that was maybe un you know suitable for flight or a potential issue. But I've got this thing in my head that my skill set that I have is possibly the most useless skill set if I don't share it. <laughs> Unless I'm sharing it with someone, there's no point to it. You know, holding it to myself, I just don't see the point in having it. So if I can go and help someone with an airplane, whether it's they want to see it fly or they want to see what it's capable of or test fly it and you know, avert a potential problem or, you know, a crash or so forth, whatever that is. I'm happy to do it because it's all about the sharing. So if I can get that in my head and, and be relaxed and, and know I'm helping someone, there's no nerves. That's amazing. That, that's a great approach. Um, I, you know, I guess having your skill set probably is why you're not nervous and I would be definitely nervous. So that, <laughs> yeah, there that, is, 
there is the experience thing as well. I forgot to touch yeah. on it. Um, is that I, I'm I've got to where I am. You know what I my skill set isn't something that I was born with. It's not something that is you know amazing gift from above. It's just a set of skills built up over years and years of lots and lots of flying. So, and with that yeah. in mind, the opportunity to fly different airplanes is something that benefits me. You know, I, I love it. I love the whole. Flying a different airplane, you know, whether it be a simple airplane, whether it be an exotic airplane. So, yeah, and it gives me that whole, okay, I've, I've flown these in the past or I've had an aileron drop off. I had a wing fall off an airplane. What, what do you do? Um, so it puts you in a little bit better stead when it comes to flying other people's stuff. Yeah, I, it's a lot like, and Steve and I talk a lot about this, but it's kind of like motorcycles. You know, you, you don't just uh, – let anybody hop on your motorcycle and take off on it. You kind of want to check them out a little bit, but you know, I, I would, you know, if somebody wanted me to ride, I think there's probably about any motorcycle. I feel pretty comfortable uh, taking for a test drive. Mm -hmm. So you're right. It's all kind of relative to skill set, but it is great that you're willing to, to share um, with people. And I do know it makes a big impact. And I've, I've like I said, seen it firsthand it is such a cool part of the community we live in that uh, there's folks yeah. like you that are willing to share that skill set you've built up over a lifetime. So, so that's awesome. Yeah. Ali, you've, yeah. you've gotten, uh, you've definitely gotten praise from certain folks. I know people have emailed Chris directly with, you know, yeah. thanking you for, for being out there and just flying their, you know, custom built airplane. Um, so great job yeah, on that. I guess, opportunity uh, to say thank you, mom. Thanks for sending that email. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> It may have, may have been your mother, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I mean, Stephen, you, you may be, this may be what you're referencing, but I mean, I, I got an email a few months ago from a retired colonel at, pilot in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. So this man made his career flying airplanes in the U.S. Air Force, and he was at an event. He had bought, uh, built this big plane, and he was very nervous about flying it. And so he asked Ali to help with the test flight. And which, which he did, of course, and it went wonderfully. And yeah, I, I received a handwritten note from this gentleman just thanking us for having Ali as somebody who could go out and help represent the hobby. Um, that's, that's amazing. That, that is kind of what this community is about. And uh, it's, it's amazing to me that we have someone who, you know, again, spent a career in aviation, but still wanted to, uh, to get the help from somebody like Ali and that you were there to do it. So uh, thank you publicly for uh, for probably thousands of occurrences just like that. But it is You're something welcome. Really cool. It is really cool about this industry and this community we have that, that you get these, you know, I'd say face to face, but I feel weird even using that term in today's world. But <laughs> we'll get back to face at some point. So very good. I think so that's I'll also a horizon thing. Sorry, Steve, to interrupt, but not it's something that's instilled in us from a team pilot, from an employee level, you can't go anywhere inside Horizon without getting that whole, we're here to make the hobby better. You know, we're here to share with other people and, and make it more enjoyable. So, you know, whilst I'd love to take all the credit for it, you know, the, the years I spent as a team pilot, I'd be following Pete Goldsmith around and watch him going, my gosh, you know, he's helped like 30 people today already. He hasn't flown his own airplane. He hasn't had lunch. Yet this guy turns mm -hmm. up and he stops everything and helps him. And I remember 
multiple cases watching Pete do that at you know events around the US and go that's what Horizon's about and it's it's just what in my head now is what comes into play when we go to an event you go okay I'm wearing Horizon gear obviously I'm a little bit you know more recognizable than some in the hobby and people know that I work for Horizon so I think of an ambassador point of view what can I do to help and um, yeah so it's Whilst I'm doing it at the time, I think I owe a lot of other people the praise for instilling that in me. Yeah, for sure. I think it goes to, right down to our, you know, our mission statement of uh, we help people have fun with hobbies. And it's, it, it's built into the culture of the business to just help people get out there and have fun. Because without folks like us, that person may not have a great time and may not come back to the event next year or may not buy another airplane or may not you know, be in the hobby entirely. So it's those types of acts that really do drive this hobby forward and uh, make people, you know, keep coming back and wanting more. So, uh, yeah, great job to everybody. Yeah, and I've I've personally cooked Pete lunch to make force him to eat because he's been doing test flights for people. So, uh, Joe Nall, I know for for a fact I would probably make him lunch and breakfast so much he actually said I'd make somebody a great wife one day. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Ali, on, on the on, on that topic, the last question I have there is there's got to be one airplane that probably made you a little nervous. Like what's the what's the most, not maybe stressed out, but most nervous you were ever with someone's either custom built or they put a ton of hours into it? What's kind of been your, that one plane that you're like, oof, man, okay, this is going to be a, a flight where I really have to focus? Most nervous has probably been some of my own airplanes because <laughs> I've, over the years I've done some complicated projects with other people and um, I've got you know, a lot more invested in it than others. And that does increase the, the stress level somewhat. Um, as far as other people's aeroplanes, um, one that always springs to mind is a, he was very infamous, famous, if you like, year in the early days of YouTube, a guy called B1 Bob. Um, he did the whole YouTube series um, uh, videos of building stuff. And uh, he was quite a, uh, notoriety in his own lifetime in our hobby he built this f-14 and it was complicated at the time this was like the early generation f-14 so we're going back about 12 years um, ago and super complex super expensive um jet that maybe wasn't a hundred percent sound structurally and yeah flying that was probably the most nervous i've been simply because of the things that went wrong on it again and again and again you know, I think one flight we had an entire uh, vertical surface flutter off, like fall off in the air, landed that, got away with that. Um, he went away and fixed it, said it was all good. We stress tested it on the ground. So next flight, we lost the other vertical surface, the other fin and rudder, and we also lost a horizontal surface, so an elevator in the same flight as well. Then the gear didn't work. It was like one of the – if you ever play real flight, um, you know when you press yeah. the F button and <laughs> it, it falls off the plane? It was like I had somebody who was uh, um, had too much caffeine on the F button. They just kept pressing it. Bits just kept falling <laughs> off the aeroplane. And I went from – I was nervous, to, you know, to start with, to extremely nervous trying to get this thing back on the ground to almost just giving up like my heart rate had gone so high it couldn't go any higher and um yeah that was pretty scary at the time so yeah i bet yeah especially with a heavy heavy f-14 no gyros back then nothing no gyros really, right? yeah it was um interesting fun good stuff yeah. So, Ali, we've kind of touched on this, and it's almost impossible to have a conversation today 
without talking about just how crazy 2020 started off. It's obviously a lot different than we'd all hoped for. Um, what sort of trends are you seeing? There's a, I mean, the good news is there's a bunch of people that are engaging on social media. What are you seeing them talk about? What are the trends you're hoping and, and seeing that might emerge in the RC industry, especially as we really get back out to the flying fields, hopefully, you know, later this year? Obviously, we'll stick to the positives. Um, but yeah, it's I still have a vested interest in the hobby business at home. I'm still a third shareholder with my mother and my father in, in our hobbies. And I speak to them twice a week, three times a week. And they're, what they're saying to me is what sort of I see coincides with what I see on social media. Also coincides when I speak to people like Pete Goldsmith. And also, you know, from our point of view, what, what we're, we're moving and selling. People are building again. People are genuinely getting into the more simple aspects of the hobby once more. And that, to me, is like a massive positive. For a long time, you know, we've been internally externally wondering you know where's the hobby going it's shifting it's migrating it's adapting and this whole 2020 situation has been i wouldn't say a reset button but it's certainly seen people regressing into the more simple aspects of the hobby which i think they were missing out on you know i'm, I'm looking at people building you know say a year ago i was watching them build an arf jet that was worth Twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and they'd post and they'd go, "Look at this jet I'm building," and we'd go, whoop, whoop, "That's nice, great, lovely." You know, it's, we've seen a bunch of those, but good luck with it. The same guy is now building a stick and tissue free flight airplane, and he's posting three times a day about building this thing, and he's getting more interaction. And you know, I can't pretend I know the guy that well through a social media post, but to me, he looks like he's having a bunch more fun you know enjoying the simpler aspects of it and and yeah that that to me is probably the thing that i've noticed the most of late well yeah, that's, that's i think i think you're not you're definitely not the first person that said that on the podcast as we typically ask that question to everybody um which is which is actually cool because it's verifying the fact that it, it probably is a trend out there um you know it's it's interesting to hear guys you know jim t graham pete goldsmith jay stucy all kind of mention you know people are in, at least, if anything, they're enjoying a different part of the hobby they've not yet enjoyed. Whether that's building or they're trying a different segment, there's some element of building on the air side uh, when it comes to it. You know, with Jace, he's got his uh, foam airplane business, which you kind of still have to build in a way, but certainly not from a balsa level. Uh, but we're, we're, we are definitely hearing that from a lot of different folks. Uh, that's uh, probably a correct statement. <laughs> we'll see so. how it works. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this and they've been thinking about it, you know, uh, go ahead, dive in, right? Everybody else is doing it. So um, right. go ahead and build an airplane. Go back. You've got some extra time. And it is uh, such a such a, uh, a sense of accomplishment, I would say, you know, when you build when you build something and we, we live in a disposable world, you know, today and it's kind of nice to see, like you said, these, you know, kind of the, the craftsmanship and the artistry, um, whether any, and we see it on the surface side, I think too, you guys, you know, where, you know, we just released the axial kit, um, the, the JX or the, uh, SCX 10 three kit. And I mean, it, it's sold phenomenally well. I think people in general are kind of getting back to that core passion and, and sense of accomplishment of building. So 
If you're listening to this and you're wondering, you know, man, I'm kind of getting stir crazy cabin fever from being home. Uh, go ahead and order a kit. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, I've, I see it on my side, even on the, when it comes to, you know, I'm more on the air side, but the surface side, I mean, my, my own dad's into building uh, Tamiya semi trucks. I've started to build one with them and, you know, he, he had never, he didn't, and I'm, I'm one of the few second or first generation RC people. I didn't, my father wasn't into it. Um, he, he reluctantly took me to the racetrack to, to race nitro monster trucks when I was 13 and I stayed with it. Uh, but, you know, to see him now at 60 something years old, getting into the hobby and a part of the hobby that's not a pull it out of the box, put the battery in and go have fun is really cool to see. Uh, it's, it's happening in, in all different segments. And I think Chris, you mentioned the axial stuff. It's not just those guys building. They're now taking it to like the next level. They're modifying and, yeah, and yeah. doing custom 3d printed parts and just all the different things that you would go, you know, previously five years ago, you go, no one, no one has time for that. And now people are, <laughs> they're finding time for it, which is really cool. And I think it's why the hobby is, is stayed as strong uh, as it as it has been over this weird time we're in, and I think it will emerge out of this even stronger than it was in the past five years. Would, would you guys say, you know, uh, would you guys say, uh, you know, scale, Steve? I think you just touched on something where people are kind of with three D printing and and various things. This idea of you know, kind of taking scale to the next level is that true on the air side as much too, Ali? Are you you and Steve? Are you guys seeing that uh, being part of the the interest for people too, at least some of them, or what do, what do you see there? For me, yes. I've, I've always said that we, we, a lot of us RC pilots are just repressed wannabe full scale pilots. So yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the ability to assemble something now that represents or resembles closely a full size aircraft is awesome. And, I see that in people now who, you know, work their way through the hobby and go, okay, I'll start with a simple box with wings. But my goal is to own a Mustang, a Spitfire, a right. Jet, or an F-16. And they're all accessible now. So, yeah, definitely I see people who 20 years ago would still be flying, a you know, instead of a high-wing box with wings, they're flying a low-wing box with wings because that's the natural progression rate. Now, with the advent of, you know, much much better technology not just electronic but also in the airframe um, design and construction those same guys can have an e-flight f-16 with safe it's no more difficult to fly than our low wing boxwood wings used to be 20 years ago so yeah definitely people are taking advantage of that and that's good that's what you know that's why we do it we, we don't develop these airplanes to be easier to fly for us we do it for the end users so yeah it's cool yeah no- I think on this to the scale point, you know, I see um, a ton of guys getting if they're not able to build and they do buy an E flight or another brand that's a warbird that they've always wanted, they're spending the time to weather it with their airbrush or weather it with you know whatever other tactics there are. I think Pete Goldsmith, we talk about him a lot, but he he's done videos on weathering that have gotten you know tens of thousands of views of guys wanting to know how he does it. And he does a great job, um, you know that sort of stuff. The three D printing of Gatling guns and you know, pilot figures and stuff. Now that's a lot more accessible these days. Um, you know, I myself weathered the, Ali knows the Stuka that we built in the, in the shop uh, after hours. It was, now it looks like a proper war torn Stuka, you know, and it's really cool. And that, that scale factor really does. It not only adds a lot, but it, 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 
I guess it increases your emotional bond and or emotional debt with the airplane because you've put a lot more effort into it. It's and also individual just, as well, isn't it? You get sure. to have yeah. your own personal toy, which is unique to you. I mean, I, yeah. I work with a colleague in the, in the testing side of things, Nate Thompson. Um, he's mainly into surface right now. He's done pretty much everything in the hobby. But I've watched him build these um, camel race uh, Land Rover replicas. And yeah. yeah. It's incredible. You know, at first Amazing. I dismissed it. I just laughed at it. I was like, yeah, that's cute. And I've seen him print these things, you know, little things like a fire extinguisher holder. And I don't know what scale these are. I guess they're 10th. Um, but yeah. yeah, you know, the attention to detail on this thing is ridiculous to the point you're almost making me want to get one. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool to see that in the hobby now where somebody makes their own unique individual um, scale replica whether it be a boat helicopter plane car whatever so yeah well uh i guess you know jumping a little bit forward then on a different topic uh we we probably couldn't have this podcast without talking about the on the fly series that you and and pete holy are uh starring and producing uh during your off time of developing um if you guys haven't seen on the fly there's been several episodes out there and it's uh, I'm sure it takes a lot more time than than it looks, but Ali and Pete put a uh, a ton of effort into on the fly, and it it just shows the that you guys having just a ton of fun with the hobby uh, and just showing the lighter side of things rather than just a product video. So, can you just kind of quickly walk us through? I know this was part partly your idea, but kind of walk through what was the concept originally and and some of your favorite moments from producing that series. Love to, yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I think, again, another one of those pinch yourself situations where you go, somebody's letting me actually do this. Um, but yeah, it's it was just a concept that came up to show a more, and I say organic, um, but lighter side of the hobby. Uh, you know, we make, and again, somebody's going to probably argue with this, but I don't care. We make the best product videos of any hobby company period i'm sorry we do whether it be surface whether it be air whether it be um electronic whatever they're really stunningly polished so much effort goes into our product videos um that they're almost like unbeatable so i wanted to do a different angle come at it from a different angle a more organic simple angle um which was two guys having fun two guys enjoying the hobby the you know the the more conventional simple um, enjoyment of the hobby and um, yeah I got the go ahead to do it um, about a, 18 months ago and very very fortunate at the time I was working with Pete Holy on product videos um, with the air-to-air stuff and, and Pete showed a extraordinary skill for he was a product developer at the time for not only the air-to-air flying but also the video editing um, capture and edit and it just seemed to fall into place. And, yeah, we sit there and come up with these ideas and go, wouldn't this be cool? And we, we all do that. I think from any sort of hobby level, you sit there with friends over a beer or around a barbecue or after a day's flying, go, wouldn't this be cool? Except on the fly gives us the ability to do it and document it. So, you know, we've, we've done some silly things. We've done some fun things. We've done some successful things. We've done some not so successful things. And, um, yeah, all the way through, we've had the ability to – capture it and Pete edit it so yeah it's been a bunch of fun and we hope to do more yeah, yeah it certainly it's, seems um, like it's a super successful Go sorry ahead. Steve didn't mean to cut you off I mean yeah it has almost that kind of to me like a top gear where you're kind of 
there's a little bit of irreverence to it almost, but out of passion. And certainly you and Pete come from very different worlds with him being more of a quad guy. Um, it, but it, it certainly is about kind of just the fun that this hobby is, um, which is, which is really entertaining. I think you're, a lot of people watch these videos. So hopefully people are getting inspired by them and, and just having some fun, enjoying what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Great work, Allie. So um, I guess the next question I have then is a little bit different from that is when you, when you talk to all these folks out in the field, you probably talk to some new people uh, that are just getting into the hobby. What's one of your go-to advices or a piece of advice for someone getting started in the hobby? And then also uh, a second part of that question would be, what would be a advice for someone who wants to get started as a career in the hobby? Getting involved in the hobby, the single best bit of advice I have for people is um, go and seek out somebody else that does it, that you can learn from. Um, multiple reasons, first and foremost, that you can learn from their experience Two, it's more social this hobby is more fun when it's done with other people you know it's a very social hobby so if you can find somebody who is in it that shares it and can teach you and you can and you can learn a lot just by watching you know watching how they do things watching how they make mistakes or, or don't make mistakes and um, do that you know whether it be a club whether it be just a hangout this Social media is inundated with groups now, certain segmented groups um, for all different sides of the hobby. Join in one of those. You know, join in positively, join in open-minded, have fun. You'll get talking to people, I guarantee you, that are like-minded and share the same passion. If you can somehow you know, electronically meet up with them, great. If you can physically meet up with them and, and drive or, or race or fly, then great. You'll learn so much more, so much quicker and so much fun that way. Um, career, whoa, wow, that's a tough one. Um, depends what point of the career or aspect you want to get into. I can certainly speak about the running a hobby shop side of it and the um, product development side of it. And yeah, the product development side is learn CAD, learn computer-assisted design as quick as you can. It's probably your, your biggest help um in the marketplace right now um to develop model airplanes certainly um it will help your, your your progression massively fly as much as you can as different types as you can stay as open-minded as you can remember you know if, if you listen to the first part of it is don't just think you're developing an airplane for yourself you know look at everyone else in your club look at everyone else in your flying circle and go okay with well, this airplane that suits me suit him or her or or the young guy or the old guy you know stay open-minded stay um open to suggestions and and develop accordingly and uh, never lose sight of the fact that it was your hobby first you know never take that for granted definitely that's yeah. good who do you, you know, Ali, this, you know, a lot of this, I think, is kind of who inspires you. I mean, I, I certainly know for myself, and I think a lot of people, we see somebody like Jace or you fly. And while I, yeah, I think a lot of folks don't really think they'll ever get to your level or really even need to, but it just makes you want to go out and do it and enjoy the hobby. Who do you look up to in the industry? Who inspires you to, to keep doing more, doing better, you know, whatever, to stay, stay, uh, get up every day as Steve asked you earlier. It's a bunch of people. Um, RC pilots. There's a few of those um, from 
back in the old days, throw a name out there that no one will know, um, is uh, Paul Heckles, which was a UK airshow pilot. Um, when I was a kid, he was probably about 10 years older than me. Um, he was doing the airshow circuit and working within the hobby industry a little bit. And um, he always was an inspiration because he could fly anything. And he could fly anything really, really well and safely that was the other thing i I very rarely saw paul crash i always remember that Um, i've watched some stunning pilots in the past and put on some extraordinary displays but crash you know and crash quite often paul was always that guy that i remember going when did we last see him crash never you know and he'd pick up a helicopter and do 3d back in the day he'd pick up a scale airplane a giant scale airplane and nurse it around and he'd do test flights and so forth so yeah he's very much an inspiration for what i've done over the years so um he's one um without making it turn into the the pete goldsmith roadshow pete is an inspiration <laughs> to me he, you know he lives a couple of miles away from me his energy his passion his absolutely absolute fearlessness in overcoming any challenge within the hobby whether it be flying whether it be building whether it be designing you know the, the guy is relentless um yeah he's he's been an inspiration still is I still go to Pete's and um, build whenever I can. We did a build session just before all this um, craziness kicked in and uh, we assembled a ARF jet of mine and um, spent a couple of days in the basement with Pete. And, yeah, he's cool. He's a cool guy and, and very much a role model for me. Um, at work, I, I watch a couple of guys who I go, yeah, you know, their attention to detail – that, 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 that always drives me to go, okay, there are different ways of doing what I do, um, better ways of doing what I do. So, yeah, there, there's a bunch of people. And, you know, the, as corny as it sounds, my dad. My, my dad's work ethic is just incredible. You know, I've, I've obviously grown up around him, worked with him for a couple of decades. And, yeah, his uh, just ability to wake up every morning, no matter what's, you know, whether we're successful, whether or not we're struggling to just go and grind and make it happen. So, yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Well, um, thanks for sharing that with we with us here. Um, you know, we, we've had a great conversation today. We've learned a lot about, you know, how you got here, what drives you, what motivates you. I want to end here, Stephen. I always like to end the the conversation giving you just kind of the open mic, a chance to talk about something that's really important to you, maybe give some advice to somebody who's uh, out there, do a little bit of promotion for something that you you really want to make sure people are aware of. What do you want to mention to our listeners while you've got their ear here, Ali? The mic is yours. Oh, my gosh. How long have we got? Um, <laughs> advice, I think I've said it before, enjoy this hobby. It's a really, really great hobby. It's boundless it's endless i've been at it for what am i 41 years and i'm still nowhere near getting towards the end of it my bucket list of airplanes and flying projects and rc projects just increases so yeah it's it's got something for everyone just enjoy it go at it with the right mindset and enjoy it it doesn't matter whether it's a ten dollar free flight airplane or a ten thousand dollar jet in between both those spectrums, there is a lot of fun to be had. So please make the most of that. Um, open mic whilst I've got it. Oh, um, oh, it's a tough one. I'm going to get myself into trouble. Um, yeah. The, <laughs> we can edit it later. 
the development side of it, the work side of it. I I watch us, whether it be me as a Horizon uh, Hangar 9 developer or us as a company, I see us take a fair bit of flack from certain angles. Um, and it upsets me sometimes, a lot of the time, because people don't understand what goes into the business side of it. And I was one of those people. I've come from, you know, the other side of the counter, as it were, the, re- the retail side to the, the, the business side, the, the hobby side, the Horizon hobby side. And it's mind-blowing how much work goes in and how much effort goes into development. And um, bringing and by development, I don't just mean development of the project, I mean bringing it all the way to market. It's a massive team effort you know every every product has a ton of effort poured in from just the conceptual side of it the development side the marketing side so please you know if you're listening bear that in mind if we release a product that isn't your favorite airplane or your favorite color we didn't do it to upset you we really didn't you know there are a <laughs> bunch of other people that will like that airplane if we discontinue a product again we didn't do it to upset you there are reasons behind it we we've spent tens sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars bringing that product to market we don't want to discontinue it we discontinue it because a vendor goes away or we discontinue it because the sales don't match what the minimum order quantity will be so yeah if you're listening to this please have more understanding um you know if you could spend a day a week in our shoes you'd get to know what business decisions go behind what we do in air category and radio category and surface category you know, we work long hours, hard hours to make the business work. And sometimes there are decisions that have to be made that aren't popular, but we do it with the you know right intentions in mind. So, um, yeah, cut us some slack. Give us the time. <laughs> Guarantee if we don't release your favorite color airplane this week, in the next few months, we probably will. So, um, yeah, right. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great hobby. Enjoy it, whether you're in the business side of it or just the hobby side. Absolutely. Well, Ali, you know, on behalf of everybody at Horizon and and certainly especially for Steve and myself, thanks for joining us today. Um, More importantly, uh, we are so excited, so happy to have you as a fellow Horizonite, uh, that you represent Horizon as a product manager, as a team pilot, and really an ambassador, you know, for this great RC hobby and, and to the RC community out there. So, just thank you. Thanks for all you do um, and for, for being on the Horizon team and, and in this great community. So uh, stay safe. Hope to see you out at the field shortly and uh, take care. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks, Ali. Appreciate it. And for everybody else, we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, this episode of the On the Horizon RC podcast is now over. We thank you for listening and we look forward to hearing from you guys in the comments section. Make sure to let us know how we're doing, who you'd like us to interview, or any other comments you may have. You can also shoot those comments over to the horizonhobby.com Facebook page. We'll see you guys in two weeks with another fantastic guest. And in the meantime, make sure to stay safe, stay healthy, and keep them flying. Or if you're a car guy, keep them driving. See you guys.